In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of our Lord is still with us, and that is good. For there is no more important event in the life of Jesus to define our own life than his baptism. If you really want to know and understand who Jesus is, see him standing there in the waters of the Jordan. Here is Jesus, who knew no sin, going down into a sinner's baptism, becoming sin for us. Jesus descends into a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins because he wishes to stand there in the water in solidarity with us and in substitution for us, even though he himself committed no sin. John the Baptist was, at first, dazed and confused. He did not know. He did not understand. He tried to prevent Jesus from such a baptism, for he could not understand how a sinless one, a holy one, would submit himself to a sinner's baptism. How could the righteous one enter into a bath that was intended for the unrighteous. But Jesus tells him, leave it alone now. Now is the moment Israel has awaited. Now the kingdom of God is coming in a way that no one expected. The Messiah is standing in the water as the suffering one to fulfill all those promises of salvation and release all those promises of righteousness. For now in Jesus, God is attacking the virus of sin that made everything he created good so terribly wrong. And beginning now in the Jordan, God the Father in Jesus by the Holy Spirit is making right what has gone wrong, reversing the curse of Adam, making all things new. And only Jesus, with the Father, by the Spirit, can do this. Only the Messiah, sent from the Father, can return the creation to what God intended it to be, pure and holy and without sin. And to do this, the Creator must come. He must take on human flesh and then take into His holy flesh our unholiness, becoming sin for us, and by doing so, bring in a new creation. John the Baptist was dazed and confused at first, but then he finally understood. Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. John now knows and understands that Jesus must stand in the water as lamb, taking away the sins of the world. And John now knows and understands why he must be baptizing in the River Jordan. Because it's all about sin and the sinless one. It's about unclean and clean. It's about unholy and, un and holy. It's about shame and honor. It's about Jesus 
sinless, clean, holy, honorable, becoming sin, unclean, unholy, full of shame for us. The world in which we live is polluted with our sins. It is filthy, soaked in our blood and the blood of our neighbors, which we shed the moment our eyes were opened to the knowledge of good and evil. And we stand in this blood-soaked mess, naked and ashamed of our nakedness. For we have nothing to offer God. We need somebody to wash the blood off our hands, to make us clean and whole, to cover us and our shame with a robe without blemish. We need somebody to make right what has gone wrong. John knew this. He knew about the Old Testament sacrifices of blood, for only in blood could sin be cleansed. And that's why he railed against the sin of this world. That's why he does what he does, calling sinners and self-righteous hypocrites to repentance, to see that they are nothing and they have nothing to bring to God, that they are sinners, lost in the desert, in a famine, with nothing to eat, ready to die. Unless, unless in that call to repentance, they come to their senses and realize that they are nothing, that they are sinners with nothing to offer God. And that's what happened. Many came to John. They heard his preaching. They submitted to his baptism of repentance that they must be drowned in water, buried in its depths to wash away their filth. And then all of a sudden, there was Jesus, standing there in the waters of the Jordan next to John. Everyone saw it. They saw the Spirit descend upon him and remain there, never to leave him until that moment when he was baptized once again, but now in blood, his own blood on a cross, as the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And then John saw there in Jesus in the Jordan and knew and understand that Jesus is the Lamb and therefore he is God's Son. And so John begins what Christians have been doing ever since, what that Gentile centurion did at the cross. They confess that Jesus is the very Son of God. Precisely because he is the Lamb of God on a cross, taking away the sins of the world. Now, without John's gospel, we would not know that Andrew and his brother Peter were first John's disciples before they were disciples of Jesus. Nor would we know that they were with John at the Jordan. They were there. If you read St. Luke's Gospel, the beginning of the book of Acts especially, where Judas is being replaced, you can see that to be a disciple of Jesus, you have to be there from the beginning, which means the baptism of John. And we usually think of the calling of the disciples being from Galilee, 
but it began there in the Jordan as John was baptizing Jesus. Without John's gospel, we would not know that it was Andrew, not his brother Peter, who first confesses that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and that it didn't take two and a half years of Jesus' teaching and his miracles in Galilee for somebody to confess that Jesus is the Messiah. And yet here Andrew, who stays with Jesus for one day, that's enough for him to immediately look for his brother Peter and tell him that we have found the Christ. And then bring Peter to Jesus so that he can see for himself. If Andrew was the first missionary, then his brother Peter was his first convert. And what we often forget is that John the Baptist was really Jesus' first disciple, the first one to see and understand that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's all Andrew needed to know to follow Jesus. And then you can see Jesus taking over for John. Jesus takes the initiative with Andrew, turns to him and says, what are you looking for? And Andrew is so flustered and surprised by such a question that he appears to miss the hidden theological meaning of it all. And does Andrew really mean to ask Jesus where he's staying? Isn't there a better question to ask Jesus than this one? But maybe, just maybe, Andrew is asking exactly the right question. After all, he gets Jesus' title right. He calls him rabbi, which means teacher. And that's exactly what he wanted Jesus to do, to teach him. And what Andrew is really asking Jesus is this. Where do you abide? Because I want to abide with you. And that's not a bad question. Maybe Andrew got it right after all. To abide with Jesus at a table of holy food, isn't that what it's all about? And Jesus seems to think that Andrew got it right because he turns to him and he says, Come and see. Andrew will testify later to the truth of Jesus' words. You did not choose me, I chose you. And the challenge to faith, to come and see, will take Andrew on a journey all the way to that cross that will teach him that Jesus is the Christ because he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and that that only happens through suffering and death. And that to abide with Jesus is to abide with him in his suffering, in his cross. That is to eat his body broken, to drink his blood poured out, to follow him even into death. Andrew will also learn that the lamb who is slain is raised again. And he will go on to tell others besides his brother that Jesus is the Christ. And for doing so, he will give up his life. Perhaps that's what Epiphany is all about.
this revelation to the world who Jesus really is and who we are in him. And maybe, just maybe, the question of Jesus to Andrew is the one that you and I need to hear this day. What are you looking for? And the answer, come, see the Lamb of God, and stay a while. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.